Welcome to Lax Historical Context. I'm Sean. I'm Sasha. And we're doing... Uh, those of you that read the descriptions instead of just haphazardly pushing play... I don't know who doesn't read descriptions on podcast episodes before they start them. I mean, I feel like the title usually gives enough yeah. of it away. Yeah. But in case you don't, I try to make them witty. But anyway, we're doing another movie episode Yay, today. movies! Uh, this is one I had not watched in quite some time. I've never seen it because I don't apparently watch a lot of movies. Yeah, yeah. You you say you do, but then you're like, I've never seen that. I I've never seen that. I watch a lot of Disney movies and classic movies, like classics. Not all John Cusack movies not, are classics. No, but I'm talking about like... Before the 1960s. Oh, okay. See? Okay. We have different ideas of what a classic is. Not necessarily. <laughs> classic movies can be both but new you, and old. you and Bowen are always like, have you seen this movie? And it's like from 73. You like, hadn't seen Die Hard. <laughs> no. It's like, it's perfect. Um, oh, I would anyway, say that. We didn't watch Die Hard for this episode. Although, no. although, uh, now that, you know, it's set in the eighties, now it's technically history. It's, I mean, it's more than a quarter century. Yeah. So. so we could watch it for this show, but I don't know exactly what we would achieve by doing that. We get to watch Die Hard. Yeah, but we could just watch Die Hard and okay. not record I, I'm, it. I'm on board. Uh. I'll see you later. Have fun talking about the movie. Oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, no, so we, we are doing another movie episode. We are uh, discussing uh, Amistad. Yep, yep. The the 1997 Steven Spielberg movie. I think it was 97. I think so. Or as I'm going to pronounce it, Amistad. <sighs> okay. Okay, Texan person who yeah. pretends to care about black people. <laughs> um, uh, I do care about black I, people. I am excited for the booze. I'm excited for the booze, you, too. You provided this. Uh -huh. uh, so those of you who have not seen Amistad or those who just paused it to look it up, you you know Matthew McConaughey all right, is, is all in right, this movie. All right. Unfortunately, this, never shirtless. So this that's was, a yeah. bummer. And, and it's kind of a waste of prime 90s hunk hot. McConaughey. I mean, he's still hot. Like, he's still got that body to but him. That, but that was when he was in his prime. He was in his 20s. I don't know if he was in his prime then. He looks kind of scrawny. Like, now he looks like, you know, muscular. <laughs> Sasha's over here swooning. I mean... I never thought Matthew McConaughey was a good actor until like I saw this. It, you know, there was everyone knows about the. Uh, let me see if I can pronounce this. I've been practicing because I figured it would come up. The McConaughey sense yeah. from the last like ten years or so. It was it was back before that when nobody thought he was a good actor because most yeah. of the movies that he made were shit. But when you you go back and look. He very quietly made a surprisingly high number of good movies. Yeah, I don't think he... I guess I haven't seen a lot of McConaughey movies. Because I've seen... He was in Magic Mike. He <laughs> wasn't in the second one. Um, of course which you've seen feel that. how you will about that. Uh, and then I've seen this one. I've, I've never seen either of the Magic Mike movies. But I've always loved the Louis C.K. bit on it where he's like... 
I'm not comfortable watching this because by the end of it, I'm so invested. And he's like, I've never finished it, but I don't need to. I know how it ends. Magic Mike ends with me being gay. <laughs> and, um, and I'm like, I feel like that's accurate. Like, So my birthday fell on Magic Mike release days. I remember. For the fir- yeah. And so Bowen went with us to I remember, the yeah. first one, I think. Dude, rowdiest theater I've ever been in in my life. <laughs> like, women just shouting. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. <laughs> like, okay, I guess we're all drunk and doing this together, guys. Yeah. But no, I've seen Magic Mike. I think I've seen Failure to Launch because he had his I'm going to do rom-coms phase. <laughs> and, like, nothing but rom-coms was yeah, that Yeah, because he was in Wedding Planner, too. Yeah, he was in the wedding planner. Which, okay. if you love Jennifer Lopez or Jennifer Lopez, I, I, it's it's delightful. I have not seen either of those. I know they both have bad reputations because of that was his prime like naked bongo arrest phase. Yeah. And so, but anyway, the last decade or so, he's he's really kind of turned it around. He has done done just it seemingly. Uh, it yeah. seemingly came out of nowhere. He, he was just like, I'm just going to win all the awards now. But you see, like, Amistad was in 97 or the early mid-90s. And I feel like he, he was, was good in that. He wasn't bad in it. No, no. And that's the thing. Like, he very quietly made a bunch of movies that were good and he was good in them. Yeah. But he just made so many high-profile shitty movies that he got this reputation followed by well i think he got the, the reputation of, of being like a heartthrob over being a good actor yeah because it, i think didn't he get sexiest man alive a couple of I years i don't fucking know you mean you don't have every year's sexiest man alive memorized no. i am just no anyway so we're not we're not discussing the McConaughey We're not. Sons. We could, but we, okay. We could. It's going to be a historical movement at some point. So maybe when lacks historical context is a revolutionary podcast in the future and we've dominated all media, uh-huh. uh, we will do a, a throwback episode and discuss. Oh, you know, it'd be fun if we got to be the hosts on TCM and like 10 years 20 years from now like we got to be robert osborne and Ooh. we're like we got to introduce like matthew, matthew McConaughey. mcconaughey movies and then like the and in this classic failure to launch and then you're just in the background yelling it's shit Sasha. i'm going that one's not the fucking classic why did you insist on talking about that one i'm like you're right the wedding planner's the classic not that one either <laughs> um now so the drink today uh is the uh, wild turkey uh, long branch. So I think long branch is it's like own like it's a subsidiary of wild turkey. Yeah, and and I I know looking at it, I think it might be. I mean, because it's just emblazoned with the wild turkey logo everywhere. So I think it may be like a specialty line. Yeah, Maybe it the is the way they do like jack daniels tennessee honey or whatever this is wild turkey long branch yeah i think that's how it is because it's different than the normal just regular mm-hmm. bourbon this is it's oak and texas mesquite uh and then charcoal refined mm-hmm. uh bourbon but the reason sasha has provided this one one might say it's the uh matthew mcconaughey signature series for wild turkey yes his signature is on the bottle he has a little blurb in the little booklet here he is the he is a spokesperson for wild turkey 
I mean, as uh, along with being a spokesperson for Cadillac and teaching acting, I think he teaches at Texas A&M. Uh, yeah, uh, it's Texas at Austin. Yeah. Because that is his alma mater. I know that he because... Is a, renaissance man yeah, I, know, I know that because being a college football fan he is frequently on the sidelines for university of texas because i could games. also see him like shirtless making these whiskey barrels like i, I would have money on him <laughs> making one of these whiskey barrels you can also see him shirtless uh finding you know convenient reasons to act out you know kissing scenes with his students yeah uh actually i can picture james franco doing that mcconaughey seems, McConaughey less creepy. seems like he wouldn't because um, his wife really grounded him when i was looking <laughs> up because i knew he had a booze line like i knew he was in the alcohol business yeah and so when i was looking it up i there was like an article where he's like my wife really grounded me and i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> i mean how many times has he been arrested while high off his ass naked playing the bongos since he got married See? i'm the just answer's saying less so than before <laughs> the uh yeah minimum of zero <laughs> maximum of two one how many times did that happen uh, so anyway, so I'll read this little booklet because it, it comes with a little booklet mm-hmm. uh, honoring their shared Kentucky roots and the friends that form the longest branches of our family trees. Matthew McConaughey and master distiller Eddie Russell present a rare eight year old Kentucky straight bourbon made in small batches and refined with oak and Texas mesquite charcoals. This unique process results in an extraordinarily balanced and smooth sipping whiskey with subtle hints of smoky sweetness. And then my favorite thing, uh, it's, it's cut in half by quotes from either of them. One is typical McConaughey nonsensical. Yeah. The other is just dumb. I love it. So first quote is from Matthew McConaughey, and it says, Because I wouldn't be here if it weren't for Kentucky. Okay. Eddie Russell's follows it with, me neither. (laughs) (laughs) Which, profound, Mr. Russell. Uh, Nestled on a deep limestone shelf on the mighty Kentucky River, the Wild Turkey Distillery is famous for producing bourbon of exceptional quality, richness, and unwavering character. At the helm of this iconic distillery is the legendary father and son master distilling team of Jimmy and Eddie Russell, who have nearly 100 years of collective experience working at the Wild Turkey Distillery. So that means the dad has like 60 years or 70 years. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. the, son's and the other guy's like, got like 30. Like 30. Yeah. Okay. yeah, that's probably what that means. Uh, so we, we debated it doesn't include the tagline of the booze on uh-huh. here. We had to look it up. We thought it was two words, but then we remembered McConaughey's drawl stretches it out. But yeah. it, Wild Turkey's, it'll find you. Yeah. Um, and he's like randomly sitting at a piano in a field in the ad I remember now. Uh, so. I don't remember that part now. All I remember are the caddy commercials. And also, Where he just like stares at a bowl in the middle of the road. My dream is to one day yell at Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey, <laughs> from across the room. You know but, he uh, hears that all the time. I know, but yeah. I would love to do yeah. it to him and make him show me his abs. So <laughs> he'd probably be happy to. Yeah. Uh, just go to Texas and enroll in an acting class. I will. Um, Thanks. So this is a uh, wild turkey long branch uh, Kentucky bourbon. Which is a little bit diluted because we, it was sitting on ice for a while. A little sweeter than I thought it would be. As a bourbon fan in general, I really like this. Yeah. This is good. I was a little worried because it's oak barrels and I hate, I hate yeah. oak. 
I despise the, oak. Um, the smoky in the flavor that they were talking about comes way in the aftertaste for me, like mm. way on the back end. Yeah. But it's so subtle. Yeah, it's a very... It's really good. I mean, I'm going to finish this as we're... Um, we're w- as I'm talking, and then I'll try some more just uh, straight. Straight, yeah. And see how that goes. Um, but first... My butt is controlling. All right, so uh, yeah, yeah, I'm. I think I will also do this. I would like to at least try it s- straight, you know. Yes. No ice, but it's very good. Yeah. Slightly watered down from a little bit of ice we add in here. I really enjoy this. And you know what? It. I think it's very much what I expect from Matthew McConaughey because it's it's he's partnered with Wild Turkey, and I'm like, eh. They're okay. Yeah, like the this the main wild turkey was always one of those ones that's like I don't remember actively seeking it out, but if it's there and someone offers it to me, I will gladly yeah. have it. It's it's good, but not anything to like and then freak like, out about. But this like is, Matthew McConaughey, you drink it or you see it and then you're like, Oh wow. That is that is refined and delightful. Yeah, this is really good. Uh-huh. And that I feel like that adequately summarizes the McConaughey sons. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, shit. That's pretty <laughs> yeah. good stuff. He knows how to fucking act. Yeah. I well, get why he's teaching acting now. Well, it's like he won, like, he went, he was like a joke forever, and then he just randomly decided to win, like, an Oscar yeah. and an Emmy in the same, like, five months. Well, because, you know, when you lose a drastic amount of weight, they <laughs> have to give you an Oscar. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. It's like the unwritten rule. Yeah. If you play a Holocaust survivor yeah. or a really thin druggie, boom. Yeah, basically. Or somebody yeah. that's mentally handicapped was the other one. Coincidentally, he was also in the movie uh, Tropic Thunder, mm-hmm. where Robert Downey Jr. controversially discusses never going full retard to win an Oscar. Uh-huh. So I feel like we're towing the line between meta and offensive yeah. here, and it's great. Oh, man. Now I just really love Matthew McConaughey. Me too. Because he does comedy so well, too. Because so you good. know what I watched the other day? And this will be the last Matthew I McConaughey. Lo- I love our tangents, shoot. yeah. Um, between the, Two Ferns. This turned into, this turned into just Netflix. gushing yeah. over fucking Matthew McConaughey. But he was on Between Two Ferns, the movie, yeah. on Netflix. And yeah. he was brilliant in it. I think yeah. he was great. Anyway, again, this is not the Matthew McConaughey podcast. No, this is an analysis, historically <laughs> speaking, of Amistad, which just so fucking happens to feature Matthew McConaughey in a major supporting role. Uh-huh. Now, Sasha. Yes. Do regale us with the plot of Amistad. Okay, first I'd like to make a quick disclaimer for people who are wanting to watch this at home. Make sure the black levels on your TV are good. I have an older Vizio TV. And um, dark scenes, not as dark yeah. as series eight, season eight, Game of Thrones dark, but still fucking dark. Like yeah. you got to have some good black levels. That's yeah. all I'm saying. And also you're dangerously close to getting a racist joke thrown at you. I know, <laughs> but you know, I'm right on this one because when yeah. they were in like the whole the cargo yeah. area of that ship, I was like, yeah, shit, I think I'm watching this on the wrong TV. Yeah, I uh, it is a very dark film. Cinematography, not that great. No, um, I if mean, they were it's going, only dark in some spots, but it, it, it just, I it, would suggest. Yeah. If you were going for natural lighting, fuck it. Yeah. Sometimes movies are well lit for a reason. Yeah, like the first part. So it opens with some guy. We don't learn their names yet, so I'm not going to refer to them by their names. We don't learn their names for a while. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, he's pulling up a nail, um, and he's like in the hull of a ship, storage area of a ship. I'm not a ship person, sailor, <laughs> whatever. The cargo hold? There we go. But it feels so wrong calling it the cargo hold because people are in there. But I guess it's slavery. So yeah, yeah that's what they were treated like, yeah. And so he ab- he's able to pull up a nail from the floor and undo his shackles and chains, um, which he struggled zero zero percent on that one. He just like, bink, and he was free. I was like, these are the worst shackles I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. Somebody needs a refund on those because they were shitty. Um, so he let everybody out of their shackles and then... Also in the cargo hold, because the people who packed this boat are fucking dumb. They also had all the knives and, like, guns and cutlasses and yeah. weapons. Well, in that mindset, you keep the property with the other property. Yes. And then but, there's also the arrogance of, like, they're chained down. They're fine. But they're chained down. But, I mean, they still kind of have range of motion. Yeah. So, like, they could make it there if they wanted to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so basically what we're seeing is a mutiny uh, on a slave ship. So a bunch of African-American people, well, African people, Yeah, they're, yeah there's no say, American part. Yeah, yeah. They're not African-Americans. They are Africans. Yeah. A bunch of Africans. <laughs> that just sounds so wrong. Check your privilege, Sasha. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> attack the crew of this boat. Yeah. We later find out that this boat is a Spanish boat. Uh, but there's more. We'll continue. Uh, so they didn't kill everybody, which I think was good. I was like, don't kill everybody. Yeah. You don't know what the fuck you're doing on this boat. like. And that's not even like a racist thing. That's a, if that's you a live practica- on dry land, yeah. you don't know what the fuck to do with a boat. That's a practicality <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't know. If you put me on a boat, I'd be like, I'm going to jump off this boat because yeah. I can't, I don't. Been a long time since I've been on a boat. Uh-huh. Like, does it have oars? Otherwise, I'm probably not yeah, going very like, far. I, I get that this is a steering wheel, but I don't know how to do rigging and shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm no. screwed. So I'm I like... I can open shit and hope for wind. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I hope to God you guys aren't killing everybody on this goddamn boat. Because if you are, you're just... You're fucked. Yeah. I don't understand what his plan was. Like... <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Yeah. Moving on. Everybody, they keep two people alive. Yeah. <laughs> um. So... The... The... They're Spanish. The people they keep alive are Spanish. They only speak Spanish. The African people only speak whatever language is native to their land. I'll get to that. Yeah. Um, and they're, they're Portuguese. Oh, no, they're Spanish. In real life, they were Portuguese. Oh, but yeah. this is the movie and they're Spanish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they're Spanish. <laughs> um, and, well, on the, I, well, I take it back. On the Amistad, they might have been Spanish. But the ship that they had originally come from was Portuguese. Yeah, no, I think the yeah. ship they originally yeah. came from was Portuguese. Yeah. But then they I went jumped, to... I jumped yeah. the gun a little bit. Okay. Continue. So, anyway. Um, I'm I'm trying to wrangle a poodle wall reading, so yeah. excuse me. It's entertaining to watch. Uh-huh. I won't touch this poodle. She's yeah. bitten me too many times. So, another... They see another boat on the open ocean, and, like, the Spanish guys are like, <gasps> Let's signal them! And then they try to, they don't really ever try to signal them, to be honest. I don't think, would they know how? Yeah, they really wouldn't know how. There's a language barrier. And that boat was fucking weird. It was just like a boat 
with like a dinner party happening on with like a full orchestra just hanging out. Sometimes that would happen. I wanna, but I think they were in like the middle of the fucking ocean. I want to have dinner, but I want to be as far away from the peasants as possible. I, it was it was weird. Anyway, the, I mean, tell me that's not a rich person attitude. So they're on the boat for six weeks because they, you know, it's a boat. The guys speaking Spanish don't want to take them back to Africa. Really, the guys speaking Spanish should have like got a better plan. I don't. <laughs> um. So. They see they're running out of water. They have, like, no water because, you know, even though you're on water, you don't have potable water. Yeah, yeah. Salt water is not drinkable. No. I know that part about sailing. Yes, that's about it. Uh, and so they see the land, and they're like, let's go, bitches. And so they take a scouting party to go get water. But while they're trying to get water, some fatty on a bike sees them and is like, huh. Huh, okay. Yeah, so, what's going on there? Hmm. Yeah, so they actually uh, send some na- U.S. naval officers to go hunt down the boat. Yeah. And so it's like a little bit of a chase scene and all of this nonsense. And eventually the American naval officers take the um, take the Africans ashore and take them basically captive well not captive they arrest them yeah it it felt more like uh like holding as like a almost like a processing like what yeah. do we do with yeah, these people yeah cuz they don't know what to do with them and then it's like well let's put them in the jail because it's li- like it's nice detention camp at yeah. this point yeah um so yeah that happens and i still don't know anyone's name at this point it's like an hour into the movie. I don't know what's going on. It's not an hour in. <laughs> it's like 30 minutes in. <laughs> don't know anybody's name. And now here come the white people. So the Queen of Spain, who is portrayed by Anna Paquin from True Blood. Mm. Um, Which surprised me. I did not remember that at all. Yeah. I was like, oh, she's a youngin there, ain't she? <laughs> That's cool. Um, so we find out that the Amistad is indeed a Spanish ship and yeah. that Spain would like that ship back. Yeah. And all their property. Yeah. With, air quotes. with finger quotes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then we meet Martin Van Buren um, and he's told about the whole deal. And Martin Van Buren's just like, I don't give a flying fuck about this because it's re-election time. Right. I'm racist and I'm up for re-election. Yeah. I got more shit to worry about. And he's all like. basically his Yeah. Character. He basically said there are only 44 slaves on board. Why the fuck should I give a damn about this which, which i i mean it's kind of understandable i don't know if it's understandable or not i don't think it is but no. it, bas- it pretty much sums up my opinion of him mm-hmm. as a as a human being from history it's like yeah, yeah you're a dick and why should i care um and then morgan freeman shows up uh who i thought was frederick douglas but it, it's not frederick douglas yeah, yeah. I that noted, took a while i noted your question <laughs> yeah uh, uh I realized it wasn't. That seems real racist. (laughs) Um, And so we see him in like a newspaper office, but it isn't his newspaper. It's his other guy's newspaper, um, whose name I didn't catch. Do you know his name? Uh, Other white guy. Yeah, we'll just we'll do that. I I have a a point to make about some of the white people in this movie, so I I will not identify them to make the point. The next, because Frederick Douglass and other white guy. 
want to help the 44 slaves yes. that were on the boat. Correct. And this includes women, children, and men. Yeah. So they are all taken to court, the 44 slaves, and charged with, like, murder and mutiny. Yeah, for killing the people. And then yeah. they're also basically accused of being, like, escaped property. Yes. So they're, they're, they're being considered property under, like, runaway slave laws. Yes. Effectively. Because even though they're in the North, it's still that delicate time before the civil war where they're like yeah ah. it's, it's that whole like, thing where states agree to honor other states laws yeah so you have runaway slave laws where people in the north would unfortunately try to take slaves back to the south if yeah. they escaped without being freed and so then we have all these different parties who want to have their hand in this thing so we have the queen of spain who wants just her property back? Yeah, she wants her ship back. Yeah, we and she wants the slaves more or less. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I thought the Portuguese people wanted the slaves back. The Spanish people, yeah, the Portuguese people who I claim are Spanish because yeah. they were from Cuba. Yeah, want their <laughs> slaves back. I don't know if they care about the ship or not, but they want their slaves back. Yeah. And then the DA just wants them prosecuted for murder. Yeah. And then John Forsyth who was the secretary of state under Van Buren yeah. wants is on the side of the queen because we had some shit ass treaty from 1795. Yeah. That's like, Oh, for maritime shit, we have to blah, 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 blah. Yep. It's bullshit. Oh, and then there's also two naval soldiers who are like, we salvaged that. It's ours by Navy law. Yeah. Yeah. And they're basically like dismissed, like, Real, real yeah. soon into yeah, the trial, they're, they're yeah, like, mm, they're "Go fuck laugh, yourself." They get laughed at. Yeah. So, but nice try, I guess. Right. <laughs> like free slaves. All right. Why not? Um. Oh, and someone else was making a claim. I don't know who it was, but it, according to my notes, he looked like a fat Robin Williams. Um. You know what? Close <laughs> enough. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not yeah. addressing it. So Matt Matt McConaughey was just bat in the back, just like chilling, being like. All right, all right, all right, all right. Well, it was slavery. He was like, all wrong, all wrong, wrong all, all wrong. wrong. No, not his character. His character was like, money, money, money. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, his character. Yes. I will discuss that at length as well. Yeah. So he sees all this go down. He sees like the preliminary hearing and he sees that Morgan Freeman and white newspaper guy are like, help trying to help the slaves and so he goes up to them and he goes hey guys my name's my name's matt mcconaughey he had a real name but i don't remember for the life of me <laughs> i'll get to it in a minute okay he's like my name's matt mcconaughey nice to meet y'all i'm a real estate lawyer slash property lawyer and what you have here is a property issue yeah because they are property and morgan freeman and the newspaper guy are like don't put it like that. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Moral fight. Blah, blah, blah. And yeah. you're just like, just let Matthew McConaughey be your motherfucking lawyer. <laughs> um, and so the point he's like, is he yeah. had to go and like lobby to do. Yeah. It. So, yeah. Newspaper guy and Morgan Freeman are basically like, fuck off. We need a criminal lawyer. But eventually they realize that they did need Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. And at this point in. We all do. At this point in the movie is when I realize. It's not Frederick Douglass. It's <laughs> Morgan, Morgan Friedman and Frederick Douglass. The guy's name was what, Mr. Jodson or something? Yeah, I don't really know what it was. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah. Continue. 
Um, I'll get to that too. So. Oh, and also, trying this straight now. Mm-hmm. Still fucking excellent. I yeah, this is this is a good drink. I'm gonna pick up a bottle of this sometime. I don't know if I texted you this question, but it's something that just came up in my notes, and um, it's more it's more of a statement and a why did they do that? So the whole first part of the movie, Mm -hmm. the Africans are speaking in their native tongue. Yeah, no subtitles. Yeah, at all. Yeah, Spanish people who are on the boat with them Mm -hmm. subtitles. Yeah. Africans, no subtitles until this point in the movie when everybody when starts start getting, getting subtitles. A, yeah. Why? I, my <laughs> first impression, you, I think you did text me because I noticed it. Yeah. So you either texted me the question or were thinking alike. My, my first impression is that Spielberg did that creatively at the outset without giving them subtitles to emphasize the fact that they are they are others they are outside of our entire but world. I think he could have from that point of view done it to the Spaniards as well and then you were mm-hmm. kind of in the same boat as the Africans the same boat um, I will I will get to this one of the things I, I noticed when I kind of thought out my little three paragraph analysis of this movie there is a lot of very lazy structure of the film Mm-hmm. to make the points it's trying to make. And so I think that would be like a very easy way to sh- to show how they're not within the society and yeah. then once they are in the in the actual in courtroom yeah. it becomes relevant to our society. Mm-hmm. But at the same time like what exactly what you just said. It's like it it it's not good for the viewer. Uh-huh. It leaves us kind of wondering what the hell is going on. And while it makes the point of emphasizing their otherness, it kind of hurts the film overall. Well, because it also hinders the character development of yes, them. Because the you can't identify anybody because you can't, you can't identify, identify the name. You can't identify the name. You can't identify uh, with the characters. No. Much less develop the characters because we don't know what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, there, there's a lot of things. I really focused on it in a couple of different ways, but that is one thing I noticed that I thought was kind of lazy as far as developing the story. Yeah, I, I was confused by that. Overall, I thought this was a good movie, mm-hmm. but man, is it flawed. So, this is when Matt McConaughey gets to meet the 44 slaves. Yep. In the prison yard, he brings his own table, which pisses everybody off for some reason. Again... We're not seeing English subtitles just yet, so they're (laughs) angry about this table being brought in. Uh Uh-huh. And he, like, you know, is trying to, like, explain to them, hey, this is my job. This is what we have to do. Matt brings a linguist with him who sucks balls. Yeah. So hard. I will say (laughs) the scene uh, where the the guy, what's what's his name again? Go ahead and reveal the leader's name. The, the African. Oh, um, so um, I never got the correct name, <laughs> but I called him CK because CK, I think it okay. was kind of like that. Yeah, I know it's it's like a fr- C I N Q U E. Yeah, yeah. It was like Cinque or something like that. Cinque, yeah. But uh, CK. The, the scene where he uh, explains to McConaughey how far how he is from far away. Yeah. Was fantastic. Mm-hmm. That scene is great. Yes. Um, the rest of the movie should have been written like that. 
because it's it deals with McConaughey trying to find out where they come mm-hmm. from, and he's pointing out spots on the like the map. I think it's the U.S. South. Yeah. Like, where do you come from? Where do you come from? And there's this big language barrier, and he walks across the room into the shadow that basically represents the ocean. Yeah. And there is great symbolism. It spectacularly shows that just because we, you know you know objectified africans that they're not fucking stupid yes it was it was perfectly done the rest of the movie should have been done like that scene yeah well and i get what they were doing with the linguists though they're showing that sometimes academics um don't know all the answers all the answers yeah and this guy was a piece of shit yeah and and that that whole scene was great yeah um so next day they go to trial again um, they're not given real clothes for some reason until like three or four days after the trial. Like yeah. the trial starts. Why, I why, don't... why would you hurry up I... and spend money on these proper yeah. tie? So the DA wants to try them for murder. Um, but again, this is such a hella complicated case because in the South, they're not seen as people. They're seen as property. Yeah. In the North, they're seen as property as well they're seen as runaway property yes but if their origin story isn't in the south if they came from africa they're then they're not property anymore because they were illegally obtained is kind of the legal yeah argument that that's case that's the quick and dirty version yes the real thing Mm -hmm. is a lot more complicated but yes yes so um so what uh, Matt is trying to prove is that they were in fact from Africa and not from America, the Americas. Yes. And so, cabbage and dung scraper. What are my notes talking about? I don't know, but it's interesting. Uh-huh. If it's half as interesting as some of the random ass text questions <laughs> you send me, uh, your notes are going to get f- fucking weird. Uh, yeah. It kind of is. Okay, so this is when Fat Robin Williams shows up uh, who wants the Slayers because they're his. And he's like, I have this bill of sale, you motherfuckers. Yeah. And um, they're like, oh, let me see that. The judge is like, yeah, this is a bill of sale. This is the guy that owns the Amistad. Yes. Yeah, because the original ship, the Portuguese that took them to Cuba, mm-hmm. sold them. The, the Africans that were on the Amistad were the ones that were not sold initially. So they were oh, they were okay. they were sold to the people on the Amistad to be resold. Yes. Yeah, so basically. they were they were put on the boat and sold. But this guy has a bill of sale and he's like, see, these are my slaves. And look, they have Hispanic names like this guy's yeah. name is Joaquin or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And the judge is like, well, this is your arguments, dumb Matthew McConaughey. Because <laughs> look, they're like property now. Yeah. And then Matthew McConaughey's like, this is fucking bullshit they yeah. they don't know fucking english they don't know spanish matthew mcconaughey is trying to prove they don't know spanish yeah and like the defense in that is like slaves don't know spanish it's like <laughs> no no i think they'll they know Spanish. i think they'll figure it out it's my thing like like you get yelled at enough in spanish yeah you pick up a few words yeah just from experience <laughs> <laughs> Sasha the Brown uh, exerts her authority. <laughs> um, By the way, so that's your that's your Game of Thrones name, Sasha <laughs> the Brown. <laughs> yes. So, um, so Matthew McConaughey is like, well, okay, trial ends for that day. And Matthew McConaughey is like, there has to be something on this boat that proves they're from Africa. There has 
to be something. So yeah. he and Morgan Freeman go on the boat. They get a search warrant and everything. And they're like, we're here to investigate this goddamn boat. So when the slaves were taking over the ship, the two Spanish guys hid a ledger. And that ledger actually had proof that they were from Africa. Yeah. So Matthew McConaughey finds that. Morgan Freeman finds a tooth and freaks the fuck out in the cargo hold. And <laughs> Yeah, they hint that his character is a former slave. So it gives yeah. him like PTSD flashbacks. Yeah, so he has yeah. a flashback, freaks out. Matthew McConaughey comes and saves him, and then they give a bro hug, and they're like, it's okay, buddy. <laughs> I wonder how Morgan Freeman felt about that yeah. on set. He was like, this fucking guy? <laughs> like, this fucking guy? <laughs> You know, he wasn't the McConaughey we all know and love now. Um, in my notes, it says Morgan Freeman having some flashbacks or some shit. He'd be freaking out. Why you send him to search the hold, Matt? Why you do that? Right. Why can't you be like, you look up here? Right. <laughs> I'll go down in the hold. This could be traumatizing for you. McConaughey's character did not check his privilege. <laughs> yeah, he did not. <laughs> uh, so Matt did find the papers they hid. It's actually the manifest from the Tacora, which was the main ship that originally picked up the slaves that was the portuguese ship that was that a portuguese ship yeah. yeah um some dude hits matt in the head after the big court date oh yeah that happened yeah it was pointless it, w it was to ratchet up the drama yeah sure. uh so then we go back to the queen of spain and she's possessed because she's like this is my ship bitches don't mm. hold my stuff I'm 11 years old. <laughs> Give me my thing. Yeah. How many 11 year olds do you yeah. know who were like reasonable about you playing with their toys? And so she writes like an angry letter to Martin Van Buren and Van Buren's like this fucking little bitch of a kid. I don't have to listen to her shit at all, <laughs> but we should figure this out because I don't want to look bad. And then like, you know, the whole slavery thing and people are going to be like freaking out about it. Yeah. So there's symbolism and everything. And it's also election season and I need to carry the South. So you know what? Let's figure this out. Yeah. So John Forsythe, get your shit together better. Um, And actually, it's not John Forsythe, get your shit together better. It's remove the judge that is currently on the case and yeah. that has been making headway in favor of the slaves from the case. And put a Southerner in and there. And put a yeah. Southerner in there, which seems like 110% illegal. A little bit. Yeah. Uh, that's not separation powers, dudes. Uh, so they put a new judge in who is young and Catholic. Ooh. And they make it sound like he's not like really Catholic. Like his like grandfather was Catholic. <laughs> but then they show him going into a Catholic church. So that yeah. bitch is Catholic. Yeah. Um, so this, of course, upsets Matt and Morgan. And so they go to the jail. CK. Um, and, you know, Morgan Freeman is like, not Morgan Freeman. Uh, Matthew McConaughey's like, you know, it's all about whoever. Oh, no. John Quincy Adams. They go to. That's who a J, JQ is. I just didn't mess up CK. Translating. My I, own I, was, I was asking. I was like, they didn't talk to CK. No. Here? They go to John Quincy Adams because before they got Matthew McConaughey <laughs> as the defender. By the way, this is going to be mean because I love the actor. But John Quincy Adam, uh, Adams played very lazily by anthony hopkins i liked <laughs> how he played him because that's how i think john quincy adams would be in real life 
because at this point in his life, I, he had been a senator, see, a president. That's just, that's why I think Hopkins actually took the roles because it required like no acting uh-huh. from him. I thought that was him. Like, I'm gonna win uh, some good PR by making this movie uh-huh. while putting in minimum effort. I love the guy, but I I was watching it like he totally phoned this in because he knew it was an easy win. <laughs> yeah, but so before they got Matt McConaughey, Paperboy and Morgan Freeman. Paperboy? <laughs> yeah, because I don't know that white guy's name. Uh, I like it. Go to JQ, John Quincy, and they're like, Holmes, help us out, bro. Yeah. And uh, John yeah. Quincy's like, that's a that's a pass for me. Yeah. That's yeah. a note for me, dog. He took some convincing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh-huh. And so they go, so Matt and uh, Morgan Freeman go to JQ again, and they're like, bro, help us out. They switch judges on us. This is some fucked up shit. As a former president, you should be pissed. Yeah. And JQ's like, dudes, my dudes, it's not about the law, my dudes. It he, is about whoever tells the best story. Uh, historical fact, John Quincy Adams talked like Matthew McConaughey. Uh-huh. <laughs> my dudes, come here. <laughs> my dudes. And so... John Quincy Adams like you need to find the story that'll win and tell that story. He knows. Yeah. He knows. And so I FYI feel, I feel like that was Steven Spielberg winking at the audience. Yeah. FYI that also means you got to find somebody who speaks the motherfucking language. Dund- I mean the fact that it took that long for yeah. him to figure that shit out. So what they do is they get CK to teach him like like numbers to count they're like show us like one and he teaches them some numbers i think like that's kind of how it happened and so basie mcconaughey morgan freeman and paperboy they they all say okay we're gonna just go wander the town and say these numbers really loud and if anybody's like i know what that is you grab them (laughs) which is a pretty i couldn't find anything about whether or not that was actually true Mm -hmm. but it's a pretty interesting scene to write yeah, and That's so, a really unique way to do that. Yeah, but it worked. And they found, I can't pronounce the actor's name, and I didn't get his character name. Uh, ch- 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 no one can pronounce this guy's name, but I want to hear you try it. Uh, I can't. I just know him as the guy from Kinky Boots or the operative in Firefly in yeah. Serenity. Yeah. Great yeah. actor. Love he, him. He is a fantastic actor. He's actually one of my favorite actors that's he, like come out in the recent but few yet, years. Say his name. Chiwetel Ejiofor? Something like that. Yeah, he's he's incredible. He yeah, is literally he's great. if if anyone uh, saw 12 Years a Slave, he was the lead in that film. Yeah. He is a tremendous actor. This was one of his first roles. Anyway, I will call him the translator. Fair enough. And I'm going to call him the operative because I loved him in Serenity. Yeah. <laughs> so did I. But then I saw him in Kinky Boots and I'm like, well, now you're not scary as an operative. Now you're wearing boots. By the <laughs> by the way, have you ever seen the movie Dirty Pretty Things with him? No. God, that was a depressing look at London. Oh, I don't know if I want to watch that. It's a hard movie to watch. Holy shit. So anyway, they find the guy, the translator, and they finally get to talk to CK for real. All this time, they've been assuming that he's, like, the leader. And finally, they get to talk to all the other people, and all the other people are like, he's our leader. He killed a motherfucking lion. Yeah. He's he's why he's the leader. And so they go to CK, and Matthew McConaughey's like, dude, CK, we know 
you're their leader. And he's like, I'm not their leader. He's like, you killed Lion. And he's like, I'll tell you my motherfucking Lion story. It's not as great <laughs> as it sounds. Hey, good leaders need to be vulnerable and humble. Yes. That, that's like a thing. He's got it down. And he's like, so this is how I killed the Lion. Uh, so... The lion was there, and I was like, shit, it's a lion. It's going to eat my family. I took a rock, and I threw it, and I was good, and I hit him, and that killed the lion. Yeah. So he's like, so I'm nothing special, guys. Hey, sometimes lucky is better than good. Yeah. All right. And then- Mahathi How many <laughs> world championships in sports? How many wars were won with luck as opposed to skill? Yeah, and so uh, he's like, that's, that's not good. That was just luck. And then I had the worst luck of my life when some random-ass people kidnapped me. And took me on the Takor. So we learn how his whole story right. about how he was kidnapped from his tribe and put on the slave boat. Um, Way too late in the film. Yes. Um, and he was captured. To, I say that at the same time, completely acknowledging that I don't know how to write it earlier into the film more no. organically. I mean, you could have started their journey from there. And then brought it there. It would take way too long, though. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like they chose it that way because it was like you were wondering too if they were really i feel like at that point it's supposed to be the white people learning about the outsiders yeah um, i feel like what they could have done is like ck was on that boat for a while they were in, on multiple boats for a long time yeah so if he picked up some a couple of spanish words i feel like that might have played a little bit better but that also slows the film down yeah too much. or yeah. portuguese words that's, that's what i'm saying like i don't know how to write that mm -hmm. earlier into the film without making the film not drag also because it's already two and a half hours long also at one point i say the amistad was a fucking five-star cruise ship compared to the torca torsa um because that shit was rough <laughs> like oh my gosh yeah. well yeah i'm being like a stupid white person right now but slave ships were horrible yeah, the one thing i will say about this film as much as i'm gonna criticize it mm -hmm. and not really attack it it's meant more constructively but the the one thing I will say, one of the one of the things that this movie does fantastically well, holy shit, the depictions of the slave ships are fucking brutal. Yeah, man. Like, and like the realistically <gasps> brutal way they need to be. Yeah, like, it was it was some intense stuff. Yeah, when man. you're just like mother, it was to bring up uh, the operative's role in Twelve Years a Slave. Have, you've watched that movie, have you? Or no, haven't I you? Seen that one. There's there's this scene in there in that movie where uh, his slave master punishes him by almost lynching him. He strings him up mm -hmm. by his throat and hangs him so that his toes are just touching the ground. Yeah. And they leave him there for an uncomfortably long amount of time, mm -hmm. but the entire scene is one take. So he's there for like five minutes on camera mm -hmm. and in the background you just see kids like the white kids yeah playing like nothing is wrong and even though like the actor that's hanging yeah is the focus in of the actual mm -hmm. shot the children are, are what you're supposed to see in the scene yeah and it is hard to watch but it's supposed to be and that's was what the the slave yeah. shit made me think of where you're just like fuck like and you're, this is you're, like, yeah like this is too much like this yeah. is just no but us fragile white people need mm -hmm. to see that shit yeah like it's important so they basically you know are like this is the argument they give the judge the judge 
through the translator hear CK's story about how he was kidnapped, how he was sent to this one fortress, which was a known slave selling port. Yeah. That the British are still trying to like hunt down, which comes in later. Um, but <laughs> so the judge is like, dude, I 110% believe these guys are from Africa and they should be free. Yeah. So Martin Van Buren, suck it because your pick sided against you. Right here, buddy. Racist dick. There's uh-huh. three middle fingers up in the air. And so not only that. He looks at the Spaniards who are there and like, slave trading's illegal, bitches. We all outlawed it. You're under arrest. Yeah, the international slave trading is illegal. Yes. I'll discuss that a little more. So he says the Spaniards are under arrest. Let the slaves go. Everybody's happy. Heck yeah. Go team. Yay, morals. Yeah. Um. Uh, but there's still a, like an hour left in the, in the movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a long movie. Yeah, so... um. Other stuff happens. 30-second summary. Uh, <laughs> um, so right when your hopes are up, still more in the movie. So the Spanish homies are like, uh, so we don't want to bring this up again, but we would like our slaves back, and you're going to give them to us. <laughs> um, and also... This motherfucker from the South says, like, this is like a slight against them. So you should really do what we fucking say, Van Buren. Yeah. I forget who it was from the South. I put his name in there, too. Racist cunt. Yeah. That's his name. It was a pretty famous racist Southerner guy. I rechristen him. I rechristen him. And then so Van Buren's like, well, fuck it to the Supreme Court. CK's pissed. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was good. The way you said that was yeah. great. CK's pissed because he doesn't know what the fuck's going on. Because he's like, "Hey, I thought I'd be, I thought I'd free." Uh, Matt feels real bad because you know he's CK doesn't understand. So he writes to John Quincy Adams, and John Quincy Adams is like, ah, "No, I'm good, bro. Like, I don't want to do this." And so CK doesn't want to talk to Matt anymore. Doesn't want to talk to anybody. He's super bummed out. Um, I mean, you fucking would be. <laughs> yeah. Matthew McConaughey is getting dre- death threats from everywhere. And then finally, John Quincy Adams is like, ah, fine, bitches. I'm here. Sup. And everybody's like, yay, you're here. <laughs> Let's start working on this case. And so through the translator, CK is asking John Quincy Adams all these like technical issues and is like, hey, why does this treaty matter? It was international waters. Why is this a thing? Why is this a thing? And finally, uh, John Quincy Adams is like, can he shut the fuck up already? (laughs) Like, I'm tired of listening to this translator. Bring his ass over here. Bring his ass to my house. And everybody's like, but Mr. President, you can't. I am the motherfucking former president. And my father was a founding father. Bring his ass over here. So yep. they're like, okay. So CK gets to hang out at G- uh, John Quincy Adams' house. Um, Which, by the way, total bullshit. Never happened. I would like to think it did. Uh, yeah, I would too, but it <laughs> yeah. did not happen. <laughs> and so uh, they're like, cool. They uh, CK sees one of John Quincy Adams' African violets and is like, this <laughs> and John Quincy Adams like this is from your homeland. It was really hard to get. Do you have maybe some seeds on you? I could like grow another one. Or <laughs> yeah. you just, you're not gonna help me with that. Okay, it's fine. 
And so like they grow and they become like a like buddies. Yeah. And totally they like are friends now. Not a thing in real life. Yeah. And so now it's in in my life it was real. Um so <laughs> Sasha's alternate history. Uh-huh. So for some reason they go to the Supreme Court, but all the other slaves are left at home and it's only CK. Well, you know, you, you travel, have travel, I guess. Yeah, you represent people. You know how uh, it works. <laughs> And so we elect representative Sasha. You know the drill. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> yeah, that noise yeah. said everything you need to know. So John Quincy Adams is is the main talker. This whole like for a good twenty minutes, he just talks. So his main points are: first, he enters the Queen of Spain's letter into the record and is like, "This bitch doesn't think the Supreme Court fucking matters." I just want you to take that all in, <laughs> bros. You guys aren't important. Yeah, to an you guys aren't important. So just get marinate on that one. You're not important to a tween. And then John Quincy Adams is, is like, look, bros, this isn't about slavery. My VP was Calhoun, who loved slaves, <laughs> loved them. Yeah. So it's not about slavery. It's just like about the law. It's about the law, guys. Yeah. And it's like CK's the true hero in this room, you know? White people would worship him if he was white and the same thing happened to his family. Yeah. And he was white. Yeah. So let's yep. uh let's calm down everybody. He is basically his own declaration of independence. And then he like symbolically rips up the declaration of independence. Yeah. Um in his little little speech. That was a real good really good opener. Um, but he had like six <laughs> natural stopping points that he didn't really like stop. And he never really brought any solid legal arguments to the case either. But that's that's not the point. I will it discuss was a rousing, that. It was a rousing speech. I will discuss that uh -huh. in a moment. <laughs> uh, um, he also says the Civil War was the last battle of the American Revolution. If he said that, I'd like to know. Did you know? Well, this this case was decided in 1841, so no, he didn't talk oh, about the Civil War. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> so we don't get to hear the other guy's argument. It, it, it predates the beginning of the Civil War by 20 years, <laughs> Sasha. <laughs> Did, but he says, he wait, says, wait, I don't remember that. Did you he? Don't remember? He says that a Civil War is coming, and it's just the last battle of the American oh, Revolution. Oh, I thought he mentioned it having happened. No, 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 no. Okay, no, no, no. no. Uh, no, then I don't know if he actually did say that, but uh, if he did, I mean, at the time, I think that that era is not my expertise. Yeah. But I know a lot of people were kind of pessimistic about it and, and more or less saw it coming. Yeah. They saw that as being a possible outlier. So he does his argument. We don't hear the other side's argument. No, it's not important. Kind of weird. It's not um, important. You don't need to hear the bad guy's argument. And Sasha. then the Supreme Court announces its decision while pronouncing the name of the boat incorrectly because I'm pretty sure they said Armistad. The Armistad? Yeah. Um, and the Supreme Court are like, these Africans are not property, they are not slaves, and they do not have to re be returned to Spain. So suck my dick, Spain. Yeah. And uh, they are allowed to uh, take down the people who denied their freedom. So the murder yeah. was justifiable. Yep. There was only one dissent, and they get to go home. Uh, slight correction. It wasn't they don't have to be returned to Spain. It was 
we are not responsible for turning them to Africa, which is where they do have to be returned yeah. to. <laughs> Somebody has to pick them up. Somebody should call their mom yeah. and see we, if she can bring the carpool we over. We are not financially responsible yeah. for returning them to Africa. <laughs> and John Quincy Ad- and CK is like, oh, man, thank you, John Quincy Adams. You're the best. And John Quincy Adams is like, I just used your word, CK, to send you home. Da, da, da. Um. And instead of giving John Quincy Adams or Matthew McConaughey his lion's tooth, he gives Morgan Freeman his fucking lion's tooth, which is bullshit because <laughs> Matthew McConaughey worked hard for him. Yeah, he did. <laughs> um, and CK's back and friends with like Matt and they're like buddies yeah. again. Yep. Um, uh, and says thank you. I. I guess at this point, I thought that Matthew McConaughey's name was Doug Baldwin. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think you were probably also texting Bowen and his Uh love for the retired uh, receiver, who I totally expect him to try to pick up with all the injuries to his fantasy team. And so CK's and, you know, Doug Baldwin or Matthew McConaughey is like, I can speak your language now. Thanks, CK. And Matthew McConaughey is like, and CK's like, I can speak your language. Thanks, Matthew McConaughey. Um, and then they're like, yay, everybody's free. And I mean, that's the movie, basically. Yeah, that's basically yeah. it. Uh, Isabel never gave up on the fight for the Amistad. Uh, I guess she fought it, like, for 70 years, even after it was decided. She's just yeah. like, no, bitches. Yeah. And then, um, I don't know if this is true, but it's real depressing that CK lost his whole family to slavery when he got back to, uh, Africa, which is like the bummer of all bummers, if that is truly the case. Yeah. Uh, you didn't text me that question. I totally would have answered it. But, uh, yeah, that was a, that was a shit way to end the movie. Wasn't it? Like, oh, um, you'd think everything's all happy and good. Yeah. And he's like, he goes back to Africa and his whole family's murdered. You, oh, uh, awesome. Yeah. Cool, oh, man. cool, 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 cool. I wish you had texted me that because I would have, like, found the I'm answer. I'm surprised you didn't look it up just out of curiosity. I, uh, at that point, I was like, this movie is fucking long. Um, so I guess then I should go uh, to... My more or less analysis. Mm. Um, so this is according to a quick look up on Wikipedia, if anyone really wants to know. Uh, Cinque and the other Mende reached their homeland in 1842. In Sierra Leone, Cinque encountered civil war. He and his company maintained contact with the local mission for a while, but Cinque left to trade along the coast. Little is known of his later life and rumors circulated. Some maintained he moved to Jamaica. Others held that he became a merchant or a chief perhaps trading in slaves himself. No so mention wait, of wait, his wait, family. So wait, 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 wait. That means Steven fucking Spielberg no. made the fucking choice to be a fucking downer. There was no mention of his family in that little Wikipedia blurb, but also that is speculation. All of that. But that's what I think, if we believe Wikipedia, that's what Steven Spielberg did. He's like, you know what? He chose to be a dick about it. I'm yeah. going to be a dick about this. Yeah. Everybody died. Yeah. yeah, that's it. So anyway, all right. So let's get to just like the general stuff. And I am so not going into details about this because good God, is it dull. It sounded interesting. I I agree. Uh-huh. But then I started getting into the nitty gritty of this shit and I was like, I don't have the fucking patience. So the movie deals with the case 
United States v. Uh, Schooner Amistad, which, uh, as I mentioned earlier, decided in 1841. Um, the big difference, the movie, the primary reference is the ideals of freedom. Yes. The morality of slavery. Yep, yep. Um, they give kind of lip service to the stuff of, you know. Because really it's just a case about maritime law, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And that was like exclusively the arguments. Yeah. No one gave a shit about the morals of slavery. So like the South um, wasn't like, you're taking away our slavery. Oh, they were. But everyone was like, well, maybe we're going to look at maritime law to figure it out. Yeah. Like never once were they like, these guys like should be free never were they like from a moral standpoint never were they like black yeah. people they're slaves they were always like you know that yeah. they might not be yeah it's the the movies about like american ideals of freedom mm-hmm. and liberty and how slavery is morally incompatible with them that's all white guilt brought to you by steven spielberg thanks the, steven the spielberg. case dealt with international treaties maritime and admiralty law and legal precedents um it and totally whether or not they were imprisoned in Africa or Cuba mm-hmm. or by the Portuguese or the Spanish and whether it was legal or illegal. That is it. So what if okay, just hypothetically speaking, yeah. If I'm the people on the Torsa who which was the original slave ship, the, the, Torca, uh, Torsa. The Tacora. Tacora. Say I was the people on the Tacora. Yeah. So I, I grab all my illegal Africans, yeah. and then I take them to Cuba, and then I release them in Cuba. Uh-huh. But then I capture them again while in Cuba. <laughs> Would they be, in fact... I don't know. <laughs> I did not look up the, the fine details of these I'm treaties. I'm just saying, if you want to work around... <laughs> yeah. Um, so the big thing, and this is like the center of my, my, my critique, uh, is the presence of white people in the story versus the presence of black people in the story. Uh-huh. Because we, we talked about, like, in some of the previous movies, specifically Wind Talkers and The Last Samurai, about how it's classic Hollywood and that it's white people put at the forefront of brown people's stories. Yeah. Right? But I feel like this one, it was all about the white people, right? It was, yeah. But also, historically, as far as the actors in the story, uh-huh. it's mostly about the white people. Yeah. Um, That's what I was under the so impression. So I'm going to take a very dangerous stance. Uh-huh. Uh huh. In the 1800s in the U.S., courts were biased against black people. I know. What? Controversial. Never. Um, now, th- obviously, you're going to tell me they're biased today, right? I uh, blown away. So at two and a half hours long already. Obviously, the movie doesn't really have the time to go into really complex arguments mm-hmm. as to why some white people in the U.S. were anti-slavery while others weren't. Yes. Um, because that that's some pretty heavy issues, although it's obvious to us nowadays. Slavery is fucking wrong. Yeah, it is bad. At the time, there were a whole lot of points to consider and to properly contextualize them would be difficult for a movie. Mm-hmm. The movie instead takes the easy way out. Today, we obviously don't think black people should be slaves unless, you know, you're sadly, possibly still real. (sighs) Fucking people. Unless Um, you're in the deep south and don't know that the Civil War ended hundreds of years ago. Uh, But (laughs) the thing that kind of blows my mind about this, though, is that the filmmakers actually invented black characters in order to appeal to those modern sensibilities and immediately get the audience to identify with the the stances. So I have a feeling Morgan Freeman's a fictitious character. Uh, and it's super ironic 
the film uses fictionalized black characters as a substitute for explaining or giving any depth to white abolitionism. Which is the the exact opposite of what you'd expect to hear in a movie about like but slavery and freedom. At the same time, the last p- thing people want to hear is like why white people were good. Like yeah. they don't want to yeah. hear that. And it's like I I totally understand the reasoning, but at yeah. the same time, it does a disservice to the history of it. And you you touched on it. It's going to be tragic to a lot of people. Morgan Freeman's character totally fictitious no completely well, made up then why couldn't they just say it was frederick Douglass and everybody because, the, would have been... because that would be racist <laughs> and also a couple decades early um but anyway so but oddly his character's presence actually allows the whole black people used as tools for white people's character arcs yes because like the movie takes the easy way out instead of focusing on the real white people who were in there and explaining like their abolitionist views mm-hmm. and that debate in society. They like, let's put Morgan Freeman's character in here, hint that he's a former slave. And then now people immediately know and connect with the abolitionist side of the argument. Yeah. You give him, like, you hey. give him a manufactured, a manufactured PTSD flashback on uh-huh. a boat and that's it. There it is. You've you've developed that entire side I of the argument. I have to say, I never got that he was a former slave. They, they hint at it. They suggest it very yeah. subtly. But it, and that's all it is. The big thing is when he sees it on the boat. I just thought it was like, more of a collective unconscious. Like, yeah. And by not explicitly stating it, mm. it allows the white people to connect to that side. Uh, and it, and it, it's very lazy. It's very lazy storytelling and character development. Oh, you hear that, Spielberg? He's come for you. I'm just saying. I don't think he wrote it. But, uh, I don't think he did uh, either. So it's his the, first picture with DreamWorks, though. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Good Good little... Uh, I read the back enter- of the DVD cover. Good <laughs> entertainment history. Uh-huh. Factoid. So some of the real white people involved in the actual history, very underutilized in the film. Uh, I believe you mentioned him as Paperboy Lewis uh, Tapan. Tapan. Ah uh, yes, paperboy. Yeah. yeah, or white guy whose name I don't know. The these people had very real and and deep and complex reasons for being. And he was an abolitionist. Yeah, yeah. Um, but their their characters are are completely kind of stripped of that historical mm-hmm. individuality, and the movie turns their character arcs into realizing morally that oh, enslaving black people is bad. Mm. They should be free. Um, now, I do concede 100% that you have to do this to make those characters interesting. Yes. Because in real life, they were already abolitionists. That's why all the white people involved in this thing, like John Quincy Adams, uh, McConaughey's character, who I'll get to in a minute, already hardcore abolitionists. But in the movie, it doesn't seem like McConaughey's character is a hardcore oh, abolitionist no, no. I know, I know. Start. But that's the point. Yeah. You you take that away from them, and then you give them that, the, the easiest character arc in the world Yeah. of making them realize that enslaving black people is wrong. Whereas if you do it historically accurately, they were abolish- abolitionists who worked a court case. You know what that's I... The, that's the development. You know what I just realized, like, and it took me... Week after I watched the movie to realize what's that? Not one female line in this whole th- no no women yeah. talk in this whole movie. Yeah. Yeah. Not once do you hear a female's voice. Yeah, whole movie. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that that was my big analysis of the film. 
is it accidentally and controversially and almost offensively flips the trope on its head of yeah. white people being put at the center of the black people uh, story. At this point, the black people, they were treated as objects in the trial. Mm. Which law applies to them the most? So were they, they I take it then they were not present for their trial. I think they were. But, okay. But it was, it was to hear... Basically, it w- they were the rare property that had the opportunity to provide its own story. And that okay. sounds really fucked up, but it was really fucked up. I mean, and, yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway, so the other big one I wanted to get to, because you specifically texted about it, was uh, John Quincy Adams' speech at the end of the film to yes. the Supreme Court. You, you, Your exact quote was, Talking a shit ton, <laughs> um, which I just had. It, so in real life, uh, he spoke for eight hours. Holy shit, um, dude! And he was old. Like yeah. he was old for now. Yeah. He was old. Yeah. Um, you you touched that in your summary. He you know instead of basically taking the Sinke as a hero, we would all look up to him if he were white. Yeah. That is totally fucking made up. What he ranted about, basically, like an old guy <laughs> ranting about politics. People on his front porch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get off my lawn. No, he basically attacked the executive branch. Well, I mean, in theory. And they, they pay lip service to it. Uh-huh. But the, the inspiring part that connects to the movie's focus on moralistic freedom. Yes. That part, no. None of that was there. He basically spent two days. It was eight hours over two days just ranting about the presidency and basically arguing that if we, in the ver- in in the form of the Supreme Court, if the American people gave the executive branch the power uh, to force the Supreme Court to basically say that the U.S. could override international law and send people captured illegally to slavery yes. somewhere else, then the president could just decide to send U.S. citizens to other countries randomly to well, be tried for whatever, which admittedly, solid argument. But it was that was the focus of the eight hours. Uh, it was lip service in the film, mm-hmm. but holy shit, there was nothing about morals or freedom. Well, or my question was, did Van Buren really replace the judge? Because that seems like it would have been an even bigger reason to appeal to the Supreme yeah, Court. And, and that's part of the reason that uh, uh, Adams went so firmly after the executive branch was because he's like, if you go this far out of your way to try to deliberately rig this kind of yes. shit, there's no limit to presidential authority, mm-hmm. which obviously is wrong. Can, can, uh, John could, can we bring him back as a zombie <laughs> and then show him some papers? Cause and then he would just die again. He's got some shit to say. Like, yeah. What the fuck? So now as is, as is the tradition, we're going to get to the Sasha question. Yay. Sasha question. Because she texts me her rambly shit. Um, First, however, as I love to do with these, I'm going to start with the ones that are not either <laughs> really not connected to the story slash the ones that I won't answer or no! will only answer sarcastically. Damn it. There are three of them this time that I chose to include. <laughs> one, how long does it take to bleed out from a stab wound? <laughs> <laughs> the answer to this one is sarcastic. Sasha, I don't fucking know. Probably depends on where you were stabbed. I'm just saying <laughs> that the one guy was stabbed on the boat and yeah. he died real quick. Uh, two, do you think Matthew McConaughey permed his hair for this role? <laughs> Answer, 
fuck yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, right? Because his hair's not naturally that curly, right? <laughs> and and question Could have been a wig. And question number three. Uh and it's gonna be a listener choice for the answer. I'm gonna provide. The question is, can you eat lion? <laughs> Uh, so, y- listener, you can either choose no answer, where I just stare judgingly at Sasha for, <laughs> we'll just say, 12 seconds I of silence. I you can. But the other answer is the sarcastic option, which is, sure, but I'll bet the lion eats you first. <laughs> That's so stupid. That's a dad joke. But I hear predators don't taste as good. That's, like, why bears all, like, gross to eat. Yeah. So, I don't yeah. think a lion would taste tasty. But I bet you could, I mean, you could eat anything if you wanted, if you tried hard enough. If you really needed to, you could probably eat Mm -hmm. it. All right, so some of the real questions, of which there weren't that many. You had a lot of drunken ramblings this time. I actually was not drunk. I was sober all week last week. But then I got drunk on NyQuil. And those effects will be seen in the next episode. (laughs) Ooh, fun time. All right, so uh, I didn't answer these in any particular order. I kind of bounced them around a little bit to to make it flow a little better. Uh, one, can you be in the Senate after being president? Yeah. Yeah, you totally can. Th- those are just jobs. Because wasn't somebody president and then a Supreme Court justice, too? Yeah, so John Quincy Adams and Andrew Johnson were both senators after being president. Uh-huh. And then after his presidency, William Howard Taft became chief, chief justice of the United States. So I guess what you couldn't do is become, if you full, served a full two terms, you couldn't ever become a Speaker of the House. Probably, I mean, you because, probably I mean, you would could, be in but line. you would be skipped and uh, it provided because you can serve a total of 10 years as president. You can only be elected and serve f- two full terms, uh, but you can serve an additional two years if you come into the presidency. But what if you what if you get a William Henry Harrison situation who dies in 30 days yeah. and then. You're stuck there for then, three years, and then you need to find somebody else. Then, yeah, then you can only be elected to one term. You can serve up to two years of somebody else's term. You can serve basically effectively at most through very specific circumstances up to ten years as U.S. Okay. president. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so yes, you can be in the Senate after being president. Uh, question number two you sent, was John Quincy Adams anti-slavery? Uh, yes, he was. The movie really made it look like he needed to be fucking convinced hard. When in I just reality, think he was a lazy old man. That's no. what the movie. Yeah, well, I, yeah, that's the vibe I got from the movie. Which is why I felt how I did about Anthony Hopkins' performance. <laughs> but in reality, he he did not have to be persuaded at all to argue on behalf of the Africans. Uh, he volunteered, and he was a huge abolitionist. Was he like, "Bitch, hold my drink. I got this." Yeah, like, hold my beer. I got to go get these people yeah. free. <laughs> You know, he was he was all fucking mm-hmm. on top of it. What's his dad anti-slavery too? Then I don't know. Quincy don't know. Adams. Uh, I'm, gonna, Adams. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and say no. A generation makes a lot of difference. Yeah, that's true. Uh, could be besmirching John Adams' good name. Um, so what was the state of slavery at this time? No more importing. So this only export. Yeah. That, well, that was your word, not mine. <laughs> So uh, the this one was actually a lot of fun to answer. I got to dig into some knowledge that uh-huh. I love. So in 1807, uh, the United States passed uh, the Act Prohibiting Importation of Slaves. Mm-hmm. So slavery was obviously still a thing. Yes. It was a thing for another you know 60 mm-hmm. almost years. But participation in the international slave trade 
was a huge no-no. You were not allowed to do the international thing. And that thing. was that like all the countries agreed. Everybody not, agreed, not, or was it just not everybody? Portugal, I guess, was the one doing all the yeah. trading. Uh, I guess so. I don't know if they were party to it, but like Britain outlawed it. Like, like there were a bunch of countries uh-huh. that said the international slave trade is a no-no. Yeah, like we're you done. cannot do it. Yeah. Um, and one of my favorite things. This is in the Constitution. Really? Yeah. Uh, the Constitution protected the slave trade, but only temporarily, establishing that laws outlawing the slave trade could only go into effect like no sooner than January 1st, 1808, which is the exact date the act prohibiting the importation of slaves went into effect. Wow, somebody was paying the attention, yeah, man. passed in 1807, went into effect, 1-1-1808. Uh, Unfortunately, we like to give ourselves a nice little pat on the back here. Uh-huh. Uh, no, this was for like economic reasons. <laughs> well, yeah, if you I just d- have an un like an uncontrolled influx of mm-hmm. a product into the country, it it kind of messes I with mean, the economics to, of that. To product. sound like like cold and mean and callous, but like as a slave trader, I would be thrilled if they said no more importing slaves. Then I'd yeah. be like, you have, I have yeah the quantity that I have yeah. and. Everybody wants it because they can't get it anywhere else. And it became a a thing. You you were now responsible for Mm -hmm. seeing like this. It sounds weird and I feel gross saying it probably because I'm not a racist asshole. But you're responsible for breeding. Yeah. Raising your stock. And then but the economy is all internal. So like you could drive up the prices basically. Yeah. You could create yep. forced yeah it, it shortages by limiting the market. You get yeah. to increase the viability of that economic so that market. Actually, probably hurt like freeing slaves more than it helped them. Yeah, because it was really screwing up the markets. Yeah, yeah. Dang. Yeah. Not not all pats on the back on that uh-huh. one, people. Wow, guys. So, uh, so you'd asked if the Takora was real, and uh-huh. I want to quote your question. The Takora, that shit real? <laughs> um, uh, yes, the Takora was the Portuguese ship that took the Africans uh, to Cuba, and then, like I said earlier, the Africans that weren't sold were the ones that ended up on the Amistad to be resold. But like in Mexico or something. They were yeah, going yeah, to yeah. Like, they were they were going somewhere. I didn't, it's like they picked up like the bargain lot or yeah, whatever, and they're exactly. like, "We're it's gonna like, this is the leftover. We're gonna resell." Yeah, it's the leftover. We'll sell them real quick to the Amistad, and they'll take them and sell them somewhere anyway. Yeah. Uh, are they speaking a real language, or did Spielberg just get lazy? Uh, both. Yes, he got lazy, as I've discussed. <laughs> but yes, it's real. They are oh, speaking cool. a real language. The Africans in the film are Mende, and they are speaking the Mende language. Neat. Yeah. Uh, did Van Buren really want this shit in the Supreme Court? Yeah, he did. Uh, they gave the decision of U.S. v. Uh, schooner Amistad in 1841, but like, like you, you know, discussed in the summary of the film, they upheld the decision of the federal mm-hmm. court, except as I mentioned, the part that the government was responsible for getting them back to Africa. They were like, "No, they're <laughs> free. We don't got to do shit." Well, I feel like that's that's <laughs> kind of fair on that, the government's mm, part. It's yeah. just one of those things like we found yeah. a ship. Yeah. We didn't want them to die. Yeah. <laughs> there there were uh, uh, a whole bunch of supporters for so them. So they, though. like, raised money yeah, and got yeah, stuff together. They, did everybody go back? No. Not all of oh, them okay. did. Some stayed. But, yeah, so they had a bunch of supporters. They gave them a place to stay, and they raised money. Um, my little uh, reading of the Wikipedia blurb, 
uh, said uh, they they got back to Africa in 1842. Yeah. So they they weren't there for very long. No. Um, but booking passage for like 40 people across the ocean at this time was pretty expensive. So but it I took assume a while there were the some money. abolitionists who were like, "We can do this. We'll get a yeah. boat and we'll." Exactly. So and then the big question that I wanted to get to was the character played by Mr. Matthew McConaughey. All right, all right, all right, all right. Roger <laughs> Sherman Baldwin. Hey, it was Baldwin. Doug Baldwin. Yeah. <laughs> was Baldwin made up? And my answer, I don't know why I wrote this out because I normally do this on I am, but I guess I was channeling our I am chats. Uh, uh, ha, 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 ha. Hell no. <laughs> no! <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, he, you're not a real boy. No, no, no. You asked if he was made up. Oh. Hell no, he was not made up. Oh, he was real. Okay. Roger Sherman Baldwin, as played by Matthew McConaughey, was super real, but not at all like the movie portrays him. Mm. So, in real life, he was the grandson of Roger Sherman, who was one of the founding fathers. Cool. Uh, Apparently, Roger Sherman was... So, wait. Then he was like the same age as John Quincy Adams then. I'll get to that. Uh, (laughs) I don't want to see him shirtless. So, so, uh, his... Uh, his grandfather, actually, Roger Sherman, was the only founding father that signed all four of the major founding documents of the United huh. States. Um, what a baller. Yeah. Or what a pushy son of a bitch. Right. I gotta <laughs> sign this. <laughs> I signed this one, too. Uh, so we the, don't need your signature, Roger. I'm right. gonna sign it, though. <laughs> right. So the movie version of him is very young. Yes. He's a very inexperienced lawyer. Yes. This was done to give him the very obvious character arc associated with slavery like we mm-hmm. talked about earlier. The real guy, however, was a hardcore abolitionist. Like he was serious about I mean, Matthew McConaughey's hard in some ways. Which <laughs> his body. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, so the real guy, real Baldwin, he didn't have to plead to be on the case. He was offered it. Someone contacted him and be like, yo. So Paperboy contacted him yeah, first. Louis Tepin called him and was like, dude, you are a hardcore abolitionist. Do, Do you want I this got case? a case for you? And butters. he was like, fuck yeah, I want it. Because uh, when this happened, he was late 40s. Hmm. Um, he was not an upstart lawyer. He had been doing it for a long time, was super fucking respected. Was he a property lawyer or was he? Uh, it, nothing I uh, nothing I read specified, but he was a very highly regarded mm-hmm. attorney. Um, but and then in contrast with the whole like, oh, inexperienced young guy, super green around I the edges. I would say he was inexperienced. He just was very focused in one yeah. field. But a few years after the Amistad case, he was actually uh, elected the governor of Connecticut. Wow, how bougie of him. Yeah, very cool. So uh, that's it. I, I consulted several random articles, but for like a sentence here that I, I thought mm-hmm. and would note. The two big ones, three big ones. Uh, the Amistad case in fact and film by uh, Eric Foner, who is a fucking fantastic historian. Uh, it was on his uh, like website on historymatters.gmu.edu. Um, what is it? George Mason University? No, I don't know. That's not right. Anyway, one of his old academic websites. He is he has won a shit ton of hardcore awards. He's a super famous Civil War and slavery historian. Um, but then there were two articles: Amistad, all the legal bits, and Amistad, what it gets right which is on the website, uh, uh, I hate this pretentious-ass title, An Historian Goes to the Movies. Ugh. Yeah. It's probably a dick. You're not fucking British. 
Um, but the but as much as I think that title is pretentious, very long, very mm. informative articles. So those are my big sources. Of course, with random bits here and there from my own education. Uh, the first time I watched this film was in a class on the African diaspora. I so I, I consulted an old paper that I wrote. Yeah, those are my sources. That's the uh, yeah. the, the analysis of Amistad. Or if if you're Sasha, Amistad. Or the Supreme Court Justice Armistad. Armistad. I'm pretty sure he said Armistad. I heard yeah. an R, and I was just like, "Yeah, that's wrong." Them southern pronunciation. It's Ye- the Armistad. Yeah, I was like, okay. Oh, I should have asked you who the Supreme Court justices were then. It's yeah. not like we know. Like, th- I barely know the ones we have now. <laughs> it's not like I'm gonna know them historically, except I knew like one of our presidents was a Supreme Court justice, and that was about it. Taft. Yeah. 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 Did he get thin? How did he fit on that court? Did he break the bench? They, like, they brought the bathtub in. Oh, okay. Yeah, I figured. <laughs> Just hose him down every once in a while when he was getting dried up. They put one of the ship horns on there, so they'd be like, enter in the chief justice. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet. Um, so anyway, so that's it for this uh, uh, longer episode. Holy shit. We went uh, on for a while. I have a lot to edit out, though, so this it's okay. True. This is true. Uh, listen to us everywhere you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on the Instagram and the Twitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you tell your friends about Lack's historical context. Tell them we said something interesting. 